Hello, and welcome to Into the Fire, a Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series. Hi, this is Jerome Davis, Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theater Company. I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series on all things theatrical. We have a wonderful guest with us this morning, Rimsha Avzal. Rimsha is in the cast of The Container, which opens on October 10th over at the Contemporary Art Museum. Rimsha, welcome and thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are delighted uh, to have you involved. This is, I believe, your third production at Burning Coal. Is that yes, correct? Yes, my third time. That's right. And your second Claire Bailey play. My second. I know. I'm so lucky. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, we all are. Uh, you're, a, you're a week out from opening as of, yeah. as of today. Tell me about how that, uh, that rehearsal process is going. Um, it's so interesting. I always feel like the week before we begin technical rehearsals or the week before opening, things just kind of come together and you notice new things about the formation of the play and the characters and your relationship with the other characters. So I think we're at that point where things are finally solidifying and you know the experiences of these five people or these six people rather mm-hmm. are becoming so much clearer to everyone. Five are in the container being yeah. uh, transported and then the agent yes. who is the trafficker who's involved uh, is the yes. sixth one. Yeah. So tell me about your character in, in the container a little bit. I'm curious to know a little bit more about her. Yeah. Absolutely. Trying not to say too much. Um, let's sure. see. So I play um, a woman named Maryam who is traveling from Afghanistan. And she is approximately in her early 20s and she's a widow. And later in the play, you kind of find out pieces of her life and how in such a short amount of time she's experienced an insane amount of trauma. She's lost her husband and you will kind of figure out how in the midst of the play, but it's very tragic. And she is essentially forced to leave Afghanistan, this place that was her home um, where she had a family. And um, you also find out in the play that she is with child. And I think that adds another dynamic to to this infrastructure that she's kind of placed herself in. Mm. Yeah, which is very tenuous and uh, unpredictable um, and uh, and terrifying, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. The trauma you mentioned is, is uh, the kind that would buckle most of our knees, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, and yet uh, she does find the strength to uproot herself from this... Uh, beautiful and uh, historied yeah. uh, country to try to get somewhere that's livable, someplace mm-hmm. where, where she stands a chance of being able to live out a, a reasonable life and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each of the characters have, have a similar story to tell, yeah. I think. Is that correct? And, Absolutely. Um, what is the common denominator of all those characters, do you think? There are two uh, two from Afghanistan, is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. Two from um, Somalia. Somalia, and then one from uh, one, a Turk from... Yeah. Uh, from uh, in, uh, t- uh, well, he's actually Kurdish, Kurdish but yeah. he's from uh, the hills of southern uh, Turkey. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are the common denominators? That's a pretty big swath of uh, real estate that they're all coming from. What are the common denominators? Right, and that's such an interesting question because it's something that I think we've kind of been trying to find out ourselves the whole time. And I think the common denominator is, regardless if we're all from, you know, three different countries, 
and we all have these very different traumatic experiences at the end of the day everyone is just looking to be welcomed and for safety and i think that's the basic the basic need that brings everyone together is no matter what everyone's looking for some kind of shelter and and hope for a better life in the future a hope that they don't ever have to turn back and you know have to relive some a family member being killed or someone being taken away um and i think so i think that's what kind of brings everyone together and there's a turning point in the play where you know these people start off as absolute strangers but the turning point is is they begin fighting for each other hmm. and fighting to save each other's lives so they figure out at some point that there's more uh, in common than than that separates them Absolutely. Uh, hopefulness uh, being the being one now, what about economically are they all more or less in the same boat economically not at all we have one character who <laughs> Um, because he's a businessman, you can tell that he is more, he comes from a more affluent background than the other characters. Um, and you find out that some people have money and they just haven't been telling anyone and some people just truly, truly do not have any money. Um, but regardless, it's these people have, we don't know how long, but they've saved all of this money to in hopes that they would be able to use that money once they're in England and, and to build a better life. Right, that's right. Let's back up just a little bit and talk about you, uh, Remsha, just a yeah. bit. Uh, so uh, you're, uh, uh, where, where are you originally from? And uh, were you originally from the Triangle or did you move here? I moved here when I was about 10. I was born in New Jersey. I lived there for 10 years. And Speaking of foreign countries. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, to be honest. Indeed. It was culture shock moving down here for sure as yeah. a 10-year-old. But yeah, so I was in New Jersey and I moved here when I was 10. Uh, my dad's job had relocated and it was our first time in the South, and so we've been here ever since 2003. So I went to, you know, school here. I went to college here. I worked here. I'm in graduate school here. Tell me about your schooling. Where where did you go at each step? Yeah. Um, so I, if for middle school, I was in an Islamic private school. <laughs> uh, my family is Muslim, and I'm Muslim, and so that was an, an important part of my life. Those three years in middle school, and then I. Went to Raleigh Charter High School, okay. which is where I was introduced to theater. Yes. And then I went to Meredith College, where I majored in theater, uh, double majored in theater and biology. Uh -huh. And then I took some time off and worked, and now I'm in graduate school at Duke um, for for bioethics uh, program, which is kind of odd, I know. What does but that mean? <laughs> what, what That's a really good question. Um, it's just the, the ethics of understanding certain um, kind of areas of biology and 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 health in, in the United States and abroad. And so understanding, you know, how illegal immigrants, how is their health different from ours and how ethical is that just because they, you know, are illegal or they're undocumented. Kind of conversations like that that aren't placed into you know, research or, or healthcare on a daily basis. A young lady was in here yesterday interviewing me for a sort of a college uh, project that she's working on. She's a Yale uh, person and she uh, has gone through the state and through the southeast interviewing various theaters and her has she has a theater company that's interested in health issues and how the performing arts can play 
roles in that, and I think she's going to be oh, at the wow. run tonight. So oh, really? We might be able to talk with her a little bit about some of, those, uh, some of those issues. That sounds very interesting. That's incredible. Um, so your first experience with theater was at Raleigh Charter, is that correct? My or? first experience, yeah, with a woman named Maggie Rasnick who changed my life. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think I've heard of her. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you have. She comes in here and does, uh, mm-hmm. does her shows every spring. Did yeah. you, you did some of the shows here? The first time I performed was that Burning Cold. Was here at this building? Yeah, yeah that's, this that's building. Great. And then um, once you, uh, uh, we started, uh, we figured out who you were and, and uh, how good you are. We uh, cast you in uh, A Blue Sky yeah. by uh, Claire Bailey, yeah. uh, which also took place over at the Contemporary Art Museum. It did. Um, <clears throat> can you talk a little bit about that experience? That was the first time working, I guess, with a professional level director mm-hmm. and, a, and a professional company, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, it was. It was the first thing that I noticed when working with a professional company is how fast um, and how it, it, everything, the whole process goes by so fast, but there is never a shortage of the um, kind of integrity and the and the um, kind of tastefulness that goes into mm-hmm. making a performance. So, you know, you have three weeks of rehearsal, which seems like such a short amount of time right. coming from college where you have six weeks and then you open. Yeah. And um, But then you only perform for two or three times. Exactly, yeah. whereas here you, you get the opportunity to perform for three weekends, so no shows, every night is so different. Mm-hmm. So that, I think what attracted me about Blue Sky was I had read this kind of the snippet of the play before I auditioned and it was so comforting kind of being a a Muslim Indian woman in this area and for the for one of the first few times to hear a professional theater company take on a story like Blue Sky Mm -hmm. where I got to play the wife of a a Pakistani wife Pakistani English wife of a torture victim, mm-hmm. and my husband was unlawfully detained by through the rendition program yes. uh, that was flown out of this very state. Yes. here. in fact, about an hour down the road. Uh, right. As a matter of fact, yeah. Chilling news, and so yeah. um, to be part of that project was so amazing because I got to really, you know, show our society like what is actually happening, and I feel like. We, we're just not aware of those stories. They just don't get put at the forefront. And if they do get put at the forefront, they have this veil of, of politics and, and partisanship, and, and it's not a human story. So that experience was truly amazing. And I got to meet with Claire Bailey that month before because I was working in London for this research internship. And so I got to have dinner with her and talk about why she wrote that play and, and why she is so interested in those stories. and. You know, she is this woman who's just truly, truly moved by these stories, and and she lends such a truthful voice to those characters. And that was, I mean, to be part of that cast, it was only a cast of four, which is my smallest cast, was amazing. It was like such a wonderful experience. Um, they were all uh, terrific, uh, terrific actors, and Gus, uh, who directed the piece, oh, yeah. was a really fabulous young man who's yes. working a lot yes. these days. We can't get him back. We're trying, but <laughs> he's too some, busy now. Someday, yeah, he's too busy <laughs> for Bernie Cole. But uh, so, um, so the 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 theme of uh, of the container um, has to do with a with a very immediate issue. I mean, it's obviously something that's on the minds of a lot of people now because of the um, escalation in the rhetoric surrounding yeah. that uh, 
that subject here in the United States. Mm -hmm. But it's not really a, a new issue, is it? It's a, no. an issue that's been going on for, for many, many years. Right. Uh, right. And what is it that's, that's driving that, do you think? Do you have a sense of that? Like, what is, what is causing this unease with uh, the other, I'll call it, you know, mm -hmm. people who aren't you know, who don't look like us or aren't from mm -hmm. where we are from, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. What is it that causes that sort of unease? If somebody from Alabama moves to North Carolina, nobody <laughs> says, wow, we don't want those people here. Uh, well, maybe Alabama. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, if, right. uh, but if somebody from uh, Mexico or mm -hmm. uh, Guatemala mm -hmm. or Ecuador does, then, uh, um, then it, do it does seem to create a, a great deal of consternation on the part of people. What is it that's driving that, do you, do you think? Uh, mm -hmm. Or do you have a sense of that? I think it comes down to just a very basic human feeling of not wanting your life and kind of this, this world that you've built, your, built for yourself to change. Right. And I think that's really where it comes from. Because if you are living in this area and everyone looks like you, everyone talks like you, everyone believes what you do. Listens to the same music. Exactly. Watches the same movies. And if that gets disrupted, there, it, the, the kind of natural feeling to react to that, the natural emotion of how one would react to that is fear. Yeah. And so a lot of these kind of hate crimes and a lot of this distrust and a, and a lot of this reason this has become such a for some reason it's become such a political issue which is insane to me is because it's fear it's we don't want this world of ours to change and in some ways i've tried so hard to understand that and and if someone who believes something that we don't and we haven't taken the time to really understand what those beliefs are yeah. that's horrifying to yeah. people and it and it doesn't uh, limit itself to the um, the American population. Of course, this is something that one would see in pretty much any any part of the globe. Yes. Right? Uh, yes. The, the famous uh, or infamous uh, battles between the Hutus and the Tutsis mm -hmm. in the 1990s. Um, uh, was one example of that, uh, where these people that, that from an outsider's vantage point looked exactly the same, right. shared the same cultural attributes, um, were killing each other uh, right. by the tens of thousands uh, uh, for, for reasons that seemed uh, uh, inconsistent to right. us, and yet it was very obvious to them. And, and so this is not a an American problem or a British problem or French problem. It's a human problem. Yeah. I think uh, the, the issue that comes about, though, is that the, the Western countries have, for whatever reason, been able to accumulate a great deal of the world's wealth and mm -hmm. a great deal of the world's resources. And a lot of that has taken place because of the occupation of mm -hmm. those other countries mm -hmm. uh, about the, the world. And through that occupation, the ginning up of, of hatreds uh, and the development of militias, like in Somalia, mm -hmm. uh, uh, for instance, is, uh, is something that has, um, that has created uh, unease and, and the destruction of infrastructure in those places and led to this mass uh, uh, influx of 
people from uh, certain parts of the world trying to get into certain other parts of right. the world. And I think the common misconception is that these are people from the East who are only traveling to go to the West. Right. And I think that's a very common misconception. One, because, and if you come to see this play, which I hope you do, it is so expensive and it is so difficult, unimaginably difficult to come to the West. So I don't really feel like those are, that is people's first option because because of how how difficult it is from a financial right. aspect and traveling and things like that leaving all your family behind all leaving your all your history absolutely yeah. and coming to a, a completely different culture completely different when I, I was actually living in Indonesia this summer and there were so many refugees from China and so I think for me that was eye-opening because I was like oh that's so interesting like it's even within Southeast Asia yeah. There are, you know, people traveling in hopes to gain refuge. Right. And when I was trying to prepare for my character, a lot of things I would do is I would just watch as many, you know, documentaries I could um, about women in Afghanistan. And, and so um, one of the women that I was watching had immigrated to India. And so I think it's a very common misconception that mm -hmm. it's just an east to west. Right, right. Essentially, travel. it's it's if you... If you can stay in your home, you probably will. That that would certainly be true of exactly. us, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. And uh, and the fact that these people are choosing not to do that has to tell us something about the enormous pressure that they're under, um, right? Uh, in order to not stay in their homes, right? Um, what uh, what's next for you, Remsha? The container opens on the tenth and runs for three weeks through the twenty seventh. Do you have other acting stuff planned, or are you looking forward to to anything uh, in your life right now? So I am after the container. I'm not doing so much acting after that. Well, I would hope to, but the my focus mostly is I actually just started my own playwriting company, yeah, which nice. is called the Ink Project. And we just launched uh, in 2018, and now we're just kind of retouching on our mission. And so we kind of finally got our, our website up. We have monthly meetings, and this is a space for playwrights to come together. And we put a focus on writing about underrepresented characters. What is your website? www.theinkproject.org. Org, ink with a K. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, and um, I am the artistic director of the Ink Project, and my managing director Karen Rayner has been amazing in in kind of reaching out to all social media platforms and kind of enlightening people. Mm. And so we meet once a month, and this is for playwrights to come together. We meet at various coffee shops. Please join our Facebook page. It's just the Ink Project, and our Instagram handle is also the Ink Project NC. And we come together to, everyone is kind of working on a particular play or a monologue or a 10-minute piece. Mm -hmm. And in some way, this is, these narratives are focused on underrepresented characters and, and, or stories in some way. Are the writers primarily from those types of communities or, or no? Um, yes and no. We make a point to welcome people from all genders, all sexual orientations, all faiths, all um, races and so there's not really a kind of checklist on how, you know what your background is at you don't all. have to you don't have to meet certain criteria no no absolutely not mm -hmm. absolutely not and uh, and the, these are uh, all playwrights how, how many people have uh, signed on for this so far Do you know so far we have about six people um, 
because this is so new and because we just launched our social media handle a few yeah. weeks ago, um, and so we hope to kind of expand it. We're actually sending in a proposal to speak at a conference in uh, Mexico City for January yeah. about how to kind of bridge this gap between creating more underrepresented work. Yeah. And we hope to get our plays produced um, and we're going to start off by doing seasonal stage readings of, of oh, the, yeah, the works of art. Let me know if you need a theater to do that. I absolutely <laughs> will. That would be incredible. Okay. Uh, terrific. Uh, well, that sounds wonderful. I wasn't aware of the Ink Project. Uh, yes. That's, uh, that's fantastic. I'm, yes. I'm glad to see that's happening. There's, uh, there's another uh, reading series, uh, Sips and Scripts, yes. that's happening here in town. And we had them in a couple of weeks ago doing a, a reading and, uh, and probably a couple of others, too. I guess the Carrie Playwrights yes. Forum is doing some of that. Yes, so. there's so many great, great, great companies that do that in the area. Yeah, yeah. so you're looking at maybe writing uh, as, a, as a career, possibly? Possibly. I think writing is something that I did a lot when I was in college, yeah. and it was this great... My theater professor would always tell me that the playwright is God, and that gave me the opportunity to use my very my culture and my experiences growing up as, you know, this first generation American and kind of to write it down because it was so confusing for me as as mm -hmm. a kid. And I grew up in a as a Muslim in a post 9-11 era. Yeah. So a lot of what I would write would be focused on that. And a, a lot of what I would write would be how I am, a, you know, an actor, but I'm also this scientist and how I would merge those two identities mm. and it was a great way for me and it still is a great way for me to mold all of my identities together. Well it's, it's uh, possible to do that too. In our second season we did a play called Einstein's Dreams mm. which was written by a man named Alan Lightman who is uh, a scientist at MIT. Mm -hmm. uh, he had written a book uh, called Einstein's Dreams that we adapted into a play, but, uh. but he has bridged that gap between the sciences and writing and has several very successful books that are uh, whimsical and mm. readable. You know, they're not uh, obscure to the average person, yeah. but, uh, but they bring up really interesting points uh, and, uh, and kind of clarify cer certain ideas about science. So, mm. so they're the field has been, uh, you know, open. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, thank you for joining us, uh, Rimsha, again, and thank you for your third contribution to Burning Coal's uh, performance series, uh, The Container, by Claire Bailey, October 10th through 27th at the Contemporary Art Museum, located at 409 West Martin Street in Raleigh. Tickets are going fast. I think we only have uh, 9 p.m. performances remaining mm -hmm. uh, with tickets. So if you want to get them, call us at 834-4001 or visit burningcoal.org. Remsha Absol, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. Our production of Claire Bailey's The Container will run from Thursday, October 10th through Sunday, October 27th. To purchase tickets or for more information, visit our website at burningcoal.org or give us a call at 919-834-4001.